0: I'm Caleb Brown, host of the Cato Daily Podcast. It is December, and I am once again here to ask you to support this podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute by becoming a podcast sponsor. If you support Cato to the tune of $1,000 or more, I'll gladly give you a shout out on the podcast. The only way to do it is to visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to make your donation. Cato accepts no government money. We depend on the generosity of our sponsors to help us advance the values of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and support the Cato Daily Podcast and the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, December third, two thousand twenty-one. I'm Caleb Brown. The good life, the American dream, is it still possible, and who still believes in it? Gonzalo Schwartz of the Archbridge Institute studies how Americans view the American dream and how achievable it is. We spoke last month. Just so we get our terms straight here, in in your view, in the simplest explanation you can give it, what is this idea uh, that we call the American dream?
1: The American dream is the promise i think of a land where people seek to live better richer and fuller lives regardless of what that means to them but that they're it's an aspirational hopeful optimistic idea in which people try to pursue their dreams as much as they can it's not an assurance that everyone will achieve it
0: okay so uh, broadly how do we say oh I have the, I have the American dream or, oh no, he's close to having the American dream or there is no way that person's going to have the American dream. What, what do we, what do we look at when we're trying to measure it?
1: Yeah. So there's two things. First, um, how it's being measured now in policy and academic, um, pre literature. It's that if people have upward income mobility, if they out earn their parents as adults around 32 and 40, where is, is where people measure that. So that's just a monetary sort of view of the American dream. So if not enough people are out earning their parents as, as adults, we say we, they don't have um they haven't succeeded in achieving the American dream. But at least for me that's a very narrow view. Right now, according to that definition, about uh the latest research says that about 90% of people that were born in the 1940s uh 90% of them out earned their parents as adults. And for the generation born in the 1980s, which is around this time, that will be coming of age for that measurement around this time, it's more about 50%. We did our own research, more about 73, so just three and four before it was nine in 10 Americans that outrun their parents. But that, I think, at least for us, is a very narrow view. So what we have done at the Archbridge Institute is try to ask that just simply in a survey. Have you achieved or not the American dream? Or are you on the, on your way of achieving it? Or do you think it's out of reach? And, and most people, three in four people say that they have either achieved it or, or are on their way of achieving it. Only 25% of people say they, they will not be able to achieve it ever. And then what does it mean to people? And I think the monetary view is, is very narrow that we just ask them, have you out on your parents? But that's not most kids go <laughs> when they're, growing up or going to the labor market. So we gave people a few options and asked them, if you have to rate uh, the American dream, like statements around what's essential, important, but not essential or not important for the American dream, uh, what would you say the American dream means to you? So freedom of choice came on the top with 86% of people saying that they think that that's essential for the American dream. On the other hand, on the bottom, only 13% say that becoming wealthy or I suppose getting richer, that richer component of the American gym, it is what essential to them. And in the middle, you had other um, other, other statements. Uh, having a good family life was about 80, 82% as well. Um, and then you had owning a house or or having good retirement was lower down the list. And in the original definition of the American gym, that's what it tells It's not about, uh, by Jen Truslow Adams, it, it's not about a dream where people are buying motor cars, houses, is just the pursuit of one's own dreams, whatever they may be. So con-
0: so consumption is not necessarily, consumption, it's not a large component.
1: Exactly. It's not a large component. That's what uh, our survey uh, has shown as well. And more people associated with the freedom of choice on how to live, uh, which is, I think, one of the basis of the United States as well born out of freedom.
0: When people make these uh, claims about the American dream being out of reach for so many Americans and uh, your own research suggests that uh, many Amer- many Americans but not at all the majority uh, believe that it, it is out of reach f- at least for them. Uh what what do you think is the is the most popular misconception about what that actually entails? What are the incorrect statements that people make about uh, what constitutes the American dream, and whether it is achievable.
1: Yeah, I think one of them is is um, access to opportunity. And a lot of people think that they don't have access to opportunity. And I think relate that to not being able to achieve uh, their dream and pursue that. Um, I think it's also about uh, culturally, there's a narrative. I think that it's more that people are now of a more static, less dynamic vision of what the United States is. And they think that the dream is a is a an end state of, what we, of something we should aim for when it's just a pursuit. It's a it's the journey, not the destination, where we pursuing that American dream, and they think that it should that's going to be easy, that it's not going to be something that we have to really uh, fight for or uh, try to work for. So the idea is more that it has to be aspirational, hopeful, optimistic, agency oriented, that we're in control of our own actions. I think there's a narrative that goes against that now, in which the country is irredeemable, that we can't fix our problems, that we can't achieve um the goals that we want to achieve, regardless if they're policy related, uh, civil rights related, whatever it is. So that's, I think, at least for me, that sort of cultural narrative is playing against the dream. And in the survey, we also asked if, if it's about opportunity, how many people think that they have more opportunities than their parents or that their kids will have more opportunities than them. And the vast majority, regardless of race, income, education, say that they have more opportunities than their parents and their kids will have more opportunities so in a way, its sometimes the data shows one thing, and the sort of i don't know journalist um group or the public narrative tries to sell us another because fear or negative um Emotions or negative things sell more than positive things. But in reality, people are more optimistic about it.
0: Yeah, there does seem to be uh, in at least media narratives about uh, success, however defined uh, in life, that there is something irreparably broken about how America functions. And because of that, we need to reshape the entire economy and reorient uh, everything around um Something totally different, something very, very different from what you and I grow up with and what you and I might associate with uh, success in life, according to your own terms. So if there were policy changes that would have an outsized impact on the ability of these Americans, because my view is that I want everybody to feel like they can achieve this thing. And for a lot of people – for some people in America, they probably can't. They probably do not have that ability. But I, but it's as you point out, it may be very uh, – quite a bit smaller than what even those people think. Uh, the people who don't think they can achieve it, uh, they actually do have opportunities that uh, maybe they haven't been exploited. But if we have – if there were a couple of policy changes that would, in your view – dramatically increase not just the possibility of people achieving the American dream, again, according to their own terms, but also believing that uh, they could, what, what would those be? Okay.
1: So to step back, I think one confusion in the public narrative is that academics and policymakers are interchangeably using income inequality and social mobility or income mobility as two terms that tend to mean the same thing. And inequality just measures a disparity. Uh, between classes, the disparity of outcomes. But we n- we never um, sort of go to the root causes of what that why the disparity is happening, or we try to have overly simplistic explanations of why is that, or that we need to redistribute more wealth instead of focusing on income mobility, which is the, the ability and the opportunities that people have to climb the income ladder. So using those interchangeably is a problem because then we use minimum wages or taxes and redistribution or welfare plans as the main tools, how we can we can close that gap, thinking that that would lead to more um, people climbing up the income ladder, escaping poverty um, and and that's wrong because some of those, like minimum wages, like redistribution can lead to less job creation and less uh, entrepreneurialism that would lead to more opportunities for people to climb the income ladder. So just from the get go, there's that misconception discussing those terms interchangeably when we shouldn't. And thinking about a lot of the policy narrative, we see it nowadays with the infrastructure plan and other policy discussions, that we're focusing on welfare plans and how to tweak different, um, is either the child tax credit or, or other things, instead of focusing on what is the main vehicle to climb the income ladder, which should be a job. People, we, we use welfare for people to not stay at the bottom, to have to be able to use it as a trampoline out, but not as a mattress, that they will get stuck in welfare dependency. But the idea that job creation and entrepreneurship should be the main vehicle of the income ladder, should be um, in a way explaining or uh, being at the center of our social mobility and equality conversations is not there now. And I think there's a lot of great reports, one of them by uh, Chris Edwards of Cato and, one of them, and, other, and others uh, focusing on occupational licensing from, from one perspective or other policy issues that would enable more entrepreneurship and that would enable more, I think, opportunities for people. Become the income ladder. So reducing barriers for entrepreneurship, I think for me, should be a no-brainer. But in that policy narrative, in the public narrative, we're just focusing on that inequality of outcomes when it when we shouldn't be uh, thinking about that or welfare plans when those are just temporary solutions and are not long-term sustainable solutions. And what's even more so is that what we see that distinction being made by journalists, by public uh, intellectuals, uh, focusing on income inequality as the bigger. Uh, policy policy goal that we should reduce it. That's not also what our survey showed when we discuss opportunity and and, uh, and income mobility. And we ask people, what does equality mean to you? Because this is a bigger, broader discussion. I think if we're policies are geared towards equality of outcomes or equality of opportunity, and we're being sold equality of out- opportunity as a as an end goal, but through equality of outcomes policies. But so when we're talking to people and we ask them, what does equality mean to you? When everyone ends up in the same place, which was a, a, a video, I think, that um, Kamala Harris posted just two days before the presidential uh, campaign ended, the latest presidential campaign, in which she says equality inequity is where we all end up in the same place. Is that the public perception? And only 4% of people said that that's what equality means to them. The majority of people said that it's 66% of people said that it, when there is equality before the law and people have a fair chance to pursue opportunities regardless of where they started. So, and it it wasn't about even about people starting in the same position, which was 10% of people saying that, or uh, where people who start with more disadvantages are given tools that could help them catch up with others. That was only 11%. 66% of Americans said that it's more about equality before the law regardless of where you started and having that fair chance to pursue the opportunities. So, it's one of those things, again, that the public... Uh, perception and narrative around these issues of equality of outcomes is mistaken. And people are not thinking about that in terms of the main policy goal. And in another question, when we ask them, what's the m- most important vehicle to climb the income ladder, which is what is what I mentioned before, they did agree that it was a job or economic growth. They, they need more opportunities through more entrepreneurship and economic growth to climb the income ladder. So I think there's a, there's a big misconception around that. And so that's what we're trying to work on from the policy perspective focusing on some of these areas like less barriers to entrepreneurship, less occupational licensing. Um, But on the other hand, there is this cultural narrative that we need to address, that we're being sold something that is not.
0: Gonzalo Schwartz is president and CEO of the Archbridge Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.